to our fourth Frankly Golf podcast. I'm Valerie Melvin here with Frank Thomas, and this week we're talking about magic. Wow, magic, the magic club. Yes, of course, the magic club. We love it. Did you ever have a magic club? I did actually, many, many years ago. I um, went to a county team practice. A friend of mine had a club that she described as a magic club, and of course I had to have a shot of it. I did, and it was very impressive. Ball was flying through the air. And so, of course, I needed to have my own magic club. So I promptly went to the golf professional, the PGA professional at Gullen Golf Club in Scotland and spoke to him about it. He had one he could order. He could order one for me. He um, had a demo that I could try out. So I went off to the practice area, tried out the demo. It worked beautifully, just like my friend's magic club. So then I had to obviously arrange to pay for it and being a poor student, I didn't have very much money. So we came to a payment arrangement, which <laughs> at the time was sort of eye-watering, but that was okay because it was the magic club after all. Right. Um, and then the, the big day arrived, the, the magic club arrived in the shop. I went along, picked it up, headed straight to the first tee, of course. Excited. Super excited, couldn't wait, got there. Maybe like a couple of practice swings, nothing too much because, you know, you have a magic club. You don't really need to bother too much, do you? No. And um, teed up the ball, ready to go and... Duffed it. Duffed it. <laughs> <laughs> and as the ball was trickling along the ground, I just remember watching it thinking, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> and and was it on the first two of the, the rest of the club in front of the clubhouse? Yes, yes. Everyone was watching. It was right in front of the clubhouse with the magic club and that wasn't maybe quite so magic after all. Did, did you start crying? Wasn't far off a few tears, mainly tears of embarrassment, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but by the time I got to the second tee, I sort of regained my composure and some of the, um, you know, the, the magic had returned to the driver. And I have to say, actually, for many years, it was actually a magic club, despite that initial shot. Which, I mean, I'm obviously still traumatised about it after remembering it so no. distinctly after I, all these years. I would be traumatised too if I'd done that. <laughs> so did you ever have a magic club, Frank? Not really. I, I do remember um, in, you know, having a look at the clubs the same way as you did and thought they were magic. Uh, I actually inherited them from my father. They were um, wooden, persimmon woods, beautiful finish. And just looking at them, I knew I'd be able to hit them. It just there was just some beautiful clubs, and um, went uh, to the golf club and, and played with them. And uh, yeah, they did. They performed reasonably well, but you know, not not down the middle, three hundred and fifty yards or anything. But it, it really did. They they performed reasonably well, but but not to the extent that I'd call it a magic club, uh, because they were very difficult to hit anywhere. Yeah, especially you know. The persimmon clubs were definitely uh, yeah. a whole different a whole different ball game, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, how long do you think if you have a magic club, Frank? How long do you think it lasts? The magic, yes. Uh, the magic um, probably lasts about the same length of time as as it takes to get the the, the uh, uh, transaction processed. 
through the bank, or through the, the purchase of the retail store, into the bank and into the statement. And when you get the statement in the mail, that's about the time that the magic starts uh, disappearing. <laughs> uh, also, maybe maybe the length of time that the, the price label stays on, you know, on the club. That's There's true. some people have indicated that you really shouldn't take that price label off the off the club because as soon as you do that, then you recognize, uh, you know, that you don't remember how much you paid for it. But as long as it's there, you know that you paid quite a bit for it, so better behave. Yeah, no, I think I think that's right, and certainly I, I think the placebo effect is alive and well. Our relationship with our clubs, as long as we believe they're good and they're magic, then they, you know, hopefully they will be. The placebo effect is 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 a fantastic um, part of the mind, allowing you to to look at the um, at, at the club, knowing it's going to perform, believing it's going to conform. If you believe it's going to conform, then your mind doesn't doesn't uh, interfere with the swing it takes over uh, looking at the at the at the uh, at the club and you know you're going to do it you make a beautiful relaxed confident swing and as a result you hit the ball very well and you give credit to the club because that's uh, what you'd normally do you you can't believe that anything which is intangible such as you know the mindset uh, would be the controlling factor, but in fact, that that is is what is happening. If you had to design a magic club, Frank, what would it what would it look like? I think uh, obviously it would be titanium. It would be about four hundred and sixty cc's uh, in in size to give it the maximum moment of inertia. It would have a spring like effect to have a coefficient of restitution right up against the limit. It would have a, a a uh, loft angle of probably about 10 degrees and um, it would be 44 to 45 inches in length and um, uh, I believe that with that uh, I'd be able to hit the ball reasonably well and and uh, I think that that's the, the start of being magic. Obviously the ball would help. Well that takes us to a different subject doesn't it? The magic golf ball, which well, we weren't really prepared for today, but we may as well, while we're talking about magic, we can always, you know, just add in the ball quickly. Well, <laughs> we, we, we now you're talking about a synergistic effect. Uh, the ball, obviously, uh, is not quite as easy to, to, to distinguish the properties of it because they all, you know, about the same size, the same weight, and um, dimples and white generally. And so it's very difficult to look at a, at, at, a, at a ball and believe it's magic because there's no distinguishing factor in there that tells you that this is different enough to be magic. Uh, but in fact, uh, the properties of the ball have, have improved significantly. And in conjunction with the club and the synergistic effect, as I said, you get being able to launch the ball at its uh, optimum launch conditions. And when you were at the USGA, Frank, you did a lot of research on launch conditions and the fact I always found it very interesting when you told me that you know every single golf has got a, a golf ball has got a sort of specific fingerprint or you know way that it flies for optimal performance. Yes, uh, every golf. Well, we were able to first of all uh, initially the overall distance standard that we set in nineteen seventy five. We took the launch conditions that are of a good golfer, and they were the launch angle was about uh, 
uh, you know, eight to ten degree launch angle, and and the loft angle of the club was somewhere in the about the same about eight seven degrees, uh, and the spin rate was somewhere in the neighbourhood of of three three and a half thousand uh, revolutions per, per minute, and. Uh, that would would produce uh, the maximum distance of that under those conditions, and we took the, those those were the launch conditions of a good golfer. Uh, subsequently, we learned a little bit more about the aerodynamic properties of a golf ball, and once we learned that, then we could uh, go ahead and recognize that each golf ball has a very specific set of launch conditions: the spin rate and the launch angle at a very specific velocity to get at maximum distance. So, so we were able then to, to uh, determine what the maximum or the optimum launch conditions were for any particular golf ball. The golf balls are so good today, and, and that even then uh, they, were, they were about the same aerodynamic property. So the balls generally, the, our premium balls would, would have the same optimum launch conditions or very close to it. But uh, uh, that, and so that was important. Once you learned that, then the people would be able to, every golfer could be able to reach his optimum launch. And that was only possible with the, with the, with the, um, the uh, magic driver. <laughs> so what do you think if, if Jack Nicholas had a magic driver, um, you know, rather than, I mean, presumably his driver was magic at the time, but if you took one of today's magic drivers, I mean, what would be the difference, as an example, in the distance he would hit the ball today with, you know, today's equipment, a magic club and a magic ball? Today's I, I, magic I, club and magic I, ball. I don't. I've spoken to Jack uh, for quite a quite a while about his his clubs, and uh, his his drive was only forty two and five eighths inch long, and um, he had a persimmon head, and. Uh, I don't think he really considered it uh, magic. I, I think that he had a McGregor head with a beautiful head that it was uh, used, and he was able to hit the ball. His average, actually, his average driving distance was about two hundred and seventy-six yards when he was in his prime. If he had used uh, the magic club that Today we, we that we disguised, <laughs> uh, and, and 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 a ball, a magic ball that we have. Then, then uh, that would increase his distance by very close to, and, and and he was able to get the optimum launch condition. Then he'd, he'd be able to increase his distance about twenty-five, at least twenty-five yards, maybe as much as thirty yards, and that would put his his uh, average driving distance at somewhere in the neighbourhood of about three hundred yards. So, um, uh, yeah, he if he'd had today's equipment or the Magic Club, should I say? You'd be able to do that. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, we, we love to go and play golf and we enjoy the challenge of the game, but with the, the concept of the Magic Club, we always try and make it easier for ourselves, even though we enjoy the challenge. Life, life is peculiar, isn't it? Uh, you know, we, we, um, uh, we try in, in our lives to get rid of all obstacles, all, you know, things that get in the way, hurdles, etc. We try to get rid of them all. And then we go ahead and, and assemble uh, a whole group or a set of, of, of artificial difficulties and put it into a set and call it a game. 
So there, now we've 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 in, you know introduced uh, artificially obstacles in our lives, and and it's the and creating a challenge for us. As soon as we've done that, and we don't even recognize this is what we're actually doing, but then on top of that, as soon as we've got that, then somehow or other we go ahead and try and look for equipment or something that's going to reduce the, the difficulties of the game. We've, we've de designed the difficulties into the game, and then now we're looking for equipment that'll make it easier. And, and uh, that is, that is, as that is the, the whole game that we're playing about looking for the Magic Club. You know, we have this subconscious urge to evaluate ourselves. And, uh, and that's why we play golf. That, that is the real challenge of the game, or the real attraction of, to the game because it allows us to 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 uh, challenge ourselves and, and evaluate ourselves. You do it by throwing a piece of piece of paper into a basket across the room, and we. But but then once you do that, and as long as the basket is the appropriate size, you can get it in, and you you get this sort of tingling uh, feeling in your spine. When uh, head hair raising tingling spine uh -huh. when when the ball, when the piece of paper gets into the into the basket, but you don't there's nobody there to to applaud other than you uh, applauding yourself and saying well done and and, <laughs> well and, done, and, and you say yes I did, I did that but if the basket was was too small you know the challenge would be too much and you wouldn't attempt it. if the basket was too big you would um, you you wouldn't really enjoy and wouldn't have that and that is the reason why. We don't want to, as an example, make the game too easy. We don't want to increase the size of the hole because all it's doing is decreasing the uh, challenge that we have. We already have a wonderful game and it's been around for a while and we've got to recognize what it is. But we are looking for magic. We continually look for magic. So Frank, if you found the Magic Club, would you accept it? I think... Um, you see that 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 that's the the the, chat, the, the pro question. Uh, yeah, initially I think everybody there, there's there's this, this is the difference between wants and needs. I want something, but I really don't need it. And and think when you come when you start recognizing that, then you start getting cl as close to the philosophical understanding of what the game is all about, uh, and and recognizing that that you. You don't need something even though you want it. And if I found the Magic Club uh, and I've been looking for it, everybody's looking for it, but if, you've been, if you found the Magic Club, uh, what would you do? I mean, I, you'd say, no, I really don't need it because, first of all, you, your, your search would end. And right. That, yeah, that's I, no fun, is it? No, no, the fun part of it is in the journey. <laughs> looking for it. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I suppose, really, I mean, to talk about a more um, up-to-date um, sort of thing that we're all experiencing, it's the difference between the wants versus the needs when it comes to toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that is just a need. Uh, it's no, never no, just a want. There's no wants there. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, totally all, all needs, right. No, I, I, I think we have, we have uh, you know, got to recognise that... that um, the Magic Club, uh, there are many of them out there, unfortunately or fortunately, and we just have to go around looking for it, and we continue to do that. Now, I've, I've got just one, one last question. Who controls the magic? 
I mean, is there a is there a grand wizard of magic clubs? I mean, is there a Dumbledore of magic clubs? Um, no, unfortunately, uh, the controlling factors in the magic club are not only nature, mother nature from the from the from the technical side of it, but but we control it. All of us control the magic club if we believe and we have absolute confidence in our equipment. And as we may have mentioned before, you know, you find a good friend, don't get rid of it. Good friends are hard to find. So if you find a good friend, don't get rid of it. But just go ahead and, 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 and recognize that the magic's in you. It's not, not necessarily in the club. So what that means is that the Magic Club does exist. If you believe the Magic Club exists, it does. We love it. Until next week. May the frog be with you.